The Sports Pen on ESPN UP and the ESPN UP app. Tanner Hoops with you in studio Friday afternoon. Work week is over. You can breathe a sigh of relief. Weekend is here. We've got all kinds of sports. It's chock full of them that uh, we got to pay attention to. Work never stops, Ryan. I've got Ryan Steak of the Mining Journal here, by the way. For the second time. For the this second time this week. Thanks again for coming in, double dipping, and uh, shoot, I know you're busy. It doesn't stop over there, especially <laughs> this time of the year with basketball starting. No, no, I... Uh, I... Come off the bench quite a bit. So, uh, <laughs> second time through the pitching rotation. So, there we go. Going on short rest. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, I wanted to start with the NFL, but this isn't the subject I wanted to start with. Kareem Hunt just broke about an hour and a half ago. Video surfaced of him assaulting a woman in a hotel. Uh, this is obviously something that the NFL has had to deal with quite a bit recently. The whole Reuben Foster situation is going to make this thing even trickier. But unlike the Reuben Foster thing, there's evidence that this happened, and it gets, it should be a little more black and white, but it's not always going to be that way, at least as far as how the NFL is going to handle this, how the Chiefs will handle it, and how the rest of the league is going to handle it. Obviously, what he did is terrible, and we need to condemn it the strongest way possible, but I liked him as a football player, and he had a great story, you know, fumbled his first carry, came back to torch the Patriots. He's been a great player since. I hate seeing stuff like this happen, and uh, I don't know, I, I just... We're going to get more information and stuff about this, but for right now, I think we have all we need. Yeah, I. what's the NFL going to do? Yeah. I mean, they're, they've are they known to be hit or miss when it comes to punishing mm-hmm. domestic abusers and, you know, violent incidents. They, uh, they'll tend to give people a pass, you know, especially if they're good, <laughs> you know, so I, I'm hoping they come down on him hard, mm-hmm. um, that the Chiefs come down on him hard, um, but... You know, you never know because, I mean, you look at what Reuben Foster did. He's got allegations on him for the second time. Mm-hmm. And the Redskins wouldn't pick him up if the Niners dumped him. Yep. So it just, it proves to me in the NFL that as long as you're good, they'll forgive a lot of things. They will. You know, I mean, they'll, teams are hesitant, like if you get busted for having pot in your car. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you've assaulted women or punch you know random bystanders it's like uh, they're okay with it it's mm-hmm. it's remarkably hypocritical and it frustrates and i love the nfl i love watching football but it's probably for me the most frustrating part yeah, it has to be i mean look at they went after tom brady harder than they did ray rice i mean that yeah. tells you all you need to know yeah they really weren't going to do anything until that video surfaced about mm-hmm. it and then they were forced into it reluctantly <laughs> they had to do something they you know otherwise it would be a pr disaster and that's the only reason why they did it well and this has been reported this incident with kareem hunt's been reported by various outlets being before the video surfaced about an hour and a half ago. But now that there's video out there and it's gone viral, now it's starting to go viral for social media, what have you. Now it's going to force the NFL's hand and should be expecting an answer here relatively quickly. I mean, the Chiefs in the NFL need to act on this quickly. Probably today, at the very least by tomorrow, they're going to say something. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they're going to... They'll probably debate about it for a while, but they're going to, you know, they're going to at least want to... (laughs) <laughs> journalists are going to want at least a press release today mm-hmm. where they're going to make a statement as far as what they're going to do, like punishment wise. It's like, they'll probably have to think about it a little bit, but at least say like something about it, acknowledge it, you know, say, here's what we're looking into doing. You know, here's what's on the table. We'll let you know what we decide, but you know, act like you're taking it seriously. Otherwise you, you just look like the NFL, you mm-hmm. know, like you don't care and they're going to have to say something pretty soon. 
Well, what do the Chiefs do going forward from a football standpoint? Let's say a totally game plan standpoint where Andy Reid has a team that's flying really well. They expected like they were going to come out of the bye week. They had a lot of confidence out of their bye week, thinking they might be one of the top teams in the NFL, and they still probably will be. Hunt was a big part of that offense, though, and you wonder how much this is going to distract the guys and what they can do on the field, how much that will take away from their performance. Um, very much so. I mean, and you're, you're focused on your own stuff. You want your teammates to be focused, and you're just – they're going to be off the wall now because now they're going to be wondering, probably condemning what he did. They are going to be against what he did, and now they're going to have to think about if he's somehow still on the team, you know, where their mindset's going to be. Do you want a domestic abuser mm-hmm. <laughs> on your team who's on video punching a woman? Mm-hmm. You know, what is that the kind of person for a teammate you want? So you're creating that drama. My guess is, and this is just a prediction, they're, the Chiefs are going to suspend him, I would say, rest of the regular season, probably until the playoff game, because you got to keep him for the playoff game. That's just how the things roll. Mm-hmm. And that there's probably going to be the NFL will back them up on that and probably give him a hefty fine. I would say maybe 100000 100, It's going to mm-hmm. be extremely, bit, extremely large and justifiably so. But uh, I... Just because I know how the league works and how teams operate, I don't see them him getting kicked off the team. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I see him getting in a lengthy suspension. They're going to probably kick him out the regular season because they want to keep him back for the playoff. It, and their logic and their minds are going to be like, if I if we give him a suspension in the regular season, maybe that the problem will go away, and then they can have him for the playoffs. Which it's all about PR and it's all about the welfare of the team, and it's just. It's it's pathetic, but I know how it's going to go. <laughs> Ryan Steger, the Mining <laughs> Journal, our guest talking NFL. Let's switch to Thursday night football and what we learned from last night's game. If any team was going to be the one to stop the New Orleans Saints losing streak, the Cowboys were the, the Cowboys were not going to be the one. Yeah. Exactly, and they played a phenomenal game last night. To their credit, they had a great game plan. I don't know what happened to Drew Brees. He looked like, I don't know, it was a good comparison. Brad Johnson back in the day. Well, there's a good one. Well, yeah, I mean, we're we're going way back. Yeah, there, not but... great, but he's a guy. I had a Brad Johnson jersey growing up. Really, I did. It was vintage, old school kind. That had to be 2003 or something like that. Back in the day, Brad Johnson was signing autographs in Target as a Viking, mm-hmm. as the fourth stringer. Nice, this <laughs> nice, and he's won a Super Bowl. So he's, there you go. He has a Super Bowl ring. But Drew Brees didn't look like himself last night. He has a Super Bowl ring, too, but he didn't play like it. The Cowboys showed that strong defense and a good running game can still win in the NFL. I said, la- I said yesterday on the show that we would learn tonight which direction the NFL is heading for the near future. If the Cowboys can somehow stop the Saints mm-hmm. by doing that style that Mike Zimmer has done so well in Minnesota and loves to do, I think, more than anybody else, I think the Jaguars try to do that. They did it better last year where you have a great running back and the best in a strong defense and you keep a fresh defense and get them on the field every once in a while. But control time possession, we're, we were going to see if that can still live in the NFL. And the Cowboys proved that it can. Yeah, it's uh, you know, there's few teams that have a good running game. And if you do have one... It takes defenses off guard because they're used to a pass-happy league that they're going to have to play good secondary and they're going to have to cover the receivers well. Whereas if you have a good running back, which on a side note, it appears that the Lions seem to be moving in that direction. Yeah, with Kerryon Johnson. But if you have that that extra weapon, it makes you more effective. The Cowboys, 
somehow are they going to be in the playoffs? You can very Despite well win being, that division. Yeah, eight eight. Yeah, it, Nine wins will win it. It's such a weak division that they could end up winning it at nine and seven, mm-hmm. or even at I eight. Think nine and seven clinches it. Yeah, I really do. It does, and it just goes to show how fall off the Eagles went. Mm-hmm. I mean, was it a fluke last year? Could you say that the Eagles championship was a fluke? I don't know that I would say that. I mean, the backup quarterback situation, everything. If Carson Wentz stayed healthy through the entire year, maybe it was a fluke. But yeah, you had two quarterbacks go in and. The backup leads them to the Super Bowls. I don't know that I'm ready to call it a fluke, but they don't look like the same team as last year. Neither does Minnesota, neither does Jacksonville. Quite a few different teams there that from last season to this season, it's amazing how different teams look. Yeah, I I wouldn't think they would have fallen off as much as they did. I just, it's almost mind-boggling Mm because it's like, how do you win a Super Bowl and, you know, ignite the passions of Philadelphia and cause them to leap off a of hotel hauntings mm-hmm. <laughs> and just now probably the way it's looking miss the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a complete fall off. And, uh, but again, back to the Cowboys, I mean, it was a good thing, you know, great game plan. They shut down Drew Brees, held them to 10 points, yeah. a very potent offense. And it, it was weird. I was watching it and just like, how is this working? You know, it's like Drew Brees should be torching the Cowboys mm-hmm. right now, and he didn't. I don't know if he just was off his game or something, you know, thrown off by the SI profile he just had, the SI jinx or something like that, because that's actually true. It is. It's happened. You know, yeah, it's happened. Like, just like Madden. Yeah, um, where if you're on the cover of Sports Illustrated, somehow your next performance is not going to be that great. Um, and that's what happens in the Madden years, too. Not as much as it used to, but no. it just, maybe that was it. I don't know, but he just looked really off his game. The Cowboys looked good. Even though they only scored 13 points, their defense carried him. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was a weird game, but no credit to them for getting the job done. Jason Garrett needed that win big time, and so did. Saving his job, basically. And I'm going to say it, even though Lions fans are going to cringe, Rod Marinelli, he needed that. He needed that win as defensive coordinator. Obviously, Lions fans remember the 0-16 season from Marinelli's head coaching days. But they needed that big time. They've got some good young talent on that defense. With Jalen Smith, Leighton Vanderish, they hit a home run on this season, bringing him in. You've got guys, you've got talent on that defense for Dallas. They invest in it. And Ezekiel Elliott is by far their best player on offense, and they play to those strengths. It, I, I don't know why it took them this long to do it, why it took them to week 13 of the 2018 season to invest in those pieces and then to play to those strengths, but they're doing it, and the Cowboys are showing that these guys could be the ones that take them to the playoffs if they do indeed get there, not Amari Cooper. Yeah, which is, you know, he was the big signing, mm-hmm. you know, that he was going to be the final piece, and uh he doesn't appear to beat that. No. You know, getting back to Breeze for a quick second, 127 yards passing. Ouch. A man who usually racks up at least 300 a game. Mm-hmm. You know, cracking into the 400s. He's put up 500s before, and mm-hmm. he barely cracks the 100. It's terrible. If they get the playoffs, does Jason Garrett keep his job? I think he does. Somehow he's managed to hang on to his job for far long than people expected, but maybe that's... Maybe the bar is so low in Dallas, they'll just accept, you know, the bare minimum of making the postseason. Is that what it's become? I think he'd be back anyway, even if the Cowboys weren't to make the playoffs this year. Just because if Jerry Jones hasn't got rid of him by now, he has no intention of doing it. I mean, it would have to be like a six and ten season for that to happen. If they would have went seven and nine this year, I still don't think Jerry would have got rid of him. 
I feel like Jerry is checked out yeah. as an owner. Like, he just likes being famous. Yeah, he, he likes being famous. I have a, I have a stadium that's a monument to myself. Mm-hmm. I I'm just there, you know, as a physical presence. The the cameras look on me in every football game, and I mean, I as far as the welfare of the team goes, I don't think he really cares. He's just like riding out the clock, mm-hmm. you know. So it's I. I, you would think, you know, by any other team with Jason Garrett, if he missed the playoffs this year, he'd be gone, yeah. you know. But with the Cowboys, I guess they just, you know, which is weird because Cowboy fans demand the best, mm-hmm. and they're whereas management's just okay with the minimum. It's kind of weird. Three playoff wins in 22 years for America's team? I mean, if that's the Cowboys <laughs> standard, but <laughs> Gary likes being a high-profile guy in sports. It's weird how some jobs in sports, for whatever team you're on, whether it's good or bad, it's a high-profile gig. And certainly owner of the Cowboys has got to be up there. He would uh, say shortstop for the Yankees is one that comes to mind, whoever you know would be doing that at the time. Didi Gregorius now, obviously, for Derek Jeter. Uh, what one stand out to you? Yeah, I like Baseball, those are, I would say, the big ones um, would be shortstop for the Yankees or, um, you know, anybody starting QB for the Cowboys. I mean, how many spotlights were on Tony Romo? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, even if he wasn't putting up the numbers to justify it, uh, I'm thinking maybe basketball. Is there anything really that it used to be? You know, yeah, maybe like guard of the Lakers yeah, or something like that, you know, maybe that, or, uh, you throw it to hockey, you could say goaltender for the Canadians because, uh, Montreal is so obsessed with, you know, their hockey team mm-hmm. that the spotlight is really always on Carey Price. Mm-hmm. And if he has a bad moment, all it's written about like in six newspapers the next day. So like you look at the outlets that cover various pro, you know, Pro teams, you know, like Toronto's got a lot of coverage and Vancouver does. But Montreal, I'm pretty sure, has like eight newspapers mm-hmm. religiously following the Canadians. So it's like the spotlight's always on him. So in hockey, I would say that. But there's only like four or five things where they're looking at you just mm-hmm. for the job you have. Not whether you're doing it well, right. just <laughs> because you have it, you know. What's the lowest profile job in sports? I thought about this earlier today, to be honest with you. And the answer I could come up with, and maybe the narrative's changing now, but over the last decade or so, Cleveland Browns' third-string quarterback. I would say that. Yeah. Although, yeah, you know, the plus to that, though, if you want popularity, is that people will be asking for their third-string quarterback <laughs> at some point. So you might eventually, over the course of the season, have the spotlight put on you. You probably won't, but you never know, you know. So uh, probably not this year because Baker Mayfield's actually playing fairly decent. Mm-hmm. But uh that would be a good one. Um, maybe manager of the Marlins. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, I... Low-profile job for a high-profile guy. Yeah. And Don Manningly. Yeah, it's, uh, but, you know, if it wasn't him, would anybody even know who the manager of the Marlins was? You know, Probably it's not. like, it's just, you know, it's just people, it's a fan base that doesn't care, and if mm-hmm. the fan base doesn't care, the rest of the country doesn't care. So, but yeah, it's, it's weird, uh... Jerry, I, I don't like Jerry Jones. I've said it multiple times. I can't stand the guy, and uh, I just, I'm hoping he goes away. Either the, he sells the team, which he won't, until no. like he, I don't know, is on his deathbed or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like he's not gonna, he's just not gonna do it because he loves the fame. So, I'm hoping he does, but it won't happen. 
By the way, the Browns' third-string quarterback's a familiar name up here. Drew Stanton. Remember him? There you go. Drew Stanton. Michigan State fans will remember him. I would have thought he'd probably be a backup, but... He could be a two somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere, yeah, maybe. Yeah. You know, one of the lower teams. Mm-hmm. You know, one in 15 teams, something yeah. like that. Buffalo? <laughs> but, yeah, Buffalo. He could play for Buffalo right he, now. Yeah, he could, you know, he could take the role of Nathan Peterman. Oh, by the way, he's working out for the Bron- Broncos this week. Uh, he was with the Lions. Yeah. They wised up and said no. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good segue because that's a great segue for our next segment. we got to take a break, but on the other side, should the Lions move on from Matthew Stafford? Right now, I'll tell you after this on ESPN-UP and in the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, Pigskin Pet is back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only to Jibboy Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you, joined by Ryan Stieg of the Mining Journal. Sports Pen on Friday afternoon. Well, before the break, we were talking about the Lions briefly. Some quarterbacks from the area. Nathan Peterman, Drew Stanton somehow found their way into the conversation. <laughs> did, you, did you wake up this morning and think that radio, ESPN, and Marquette, Michigan, would have a one segment, not even one show, one segment where both Drew Stanton and Nathan Peterman were mentioned. And Brad Johnson. And, yeah, there, there's three references. Uh, two mediocre quarterbacks and a horrendous one. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, I wouldn't think of that, and our listeners probably wouldn't either. But uh, speaking of Nathan Peterman, you had a segue. What mm-hmm. were you thinking? Well, I was thinking about the Lions and what they would do with Matthew Stafford. Well, you mentioned they brought in Nathan Peterman to work out, and obviously it didn't work out. It did not work <laughs> out. And now he's going to go try the same thing for Denver, and they're going to tell him the same thing. But what do the Lions do long-term at quarterback? Matthew Stafford's been there for about 10 years now. Do they move on from him at some point? Like, Would this be the right move to move on from Stafford? If there was any time to do it, should the Lions do it right now? I think they need to at least draft a quarterback. Um, or look into it, uh, you know, this next – in the draft, you know, because they – I still have faith in him, you know, that, you know, he – he. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's a good quarterback and he could make this happen. Mm-hmm. But I think they also need to be aware of that, you know, the fan base – is not only long-suffering, but they're getting annoyed that they still haven't gotten a playoff victory and they have mm-hmm. a good enough team to get a playoff victory. You know, they should have made the playoffs maybe this year. I'm still annoyed in the fact that I picked them to get a wild card and they're not going to get it, and it makes me look like a moron. <laughs> but uh, I just I think they need to go to the core, but just so you have that backup, you know, like Stafford is, was he, 30, what is he now? He's about... 31 to something like that. Okay. So, so you got to at least have somebody in place, you know, if he starts to get in his decline because he has too much of a big contract that nobody's going to, want to take that on. Mm-hmm. So you got to, you got to look to the draft to find something. You got to keep him at number one, but you got to find somebody to be maybe the heir apparent. I don't know who that could be. And who that, because the, the lions are going to draft middle of the pack. They're not going to be so far down that finding somebody really good, might be kind of not in the equation. They're going to be able to get somebody, but not high enough that they're going to get the highly touted quarterbacks. They're Mm going to get somebody that maybe slips more in the draft, maybe get lucky with an Aaron Rodgers kind of thing like the Packers did. Um, But you need to at least look into that because 
I mean, who who is going to be on the Lions roster as a backup that could be the person who leads mm-hmm. them in the future? So you got to – I think they at least need to look into that. I, I think he's fine. I think he's got the number one spot locked down. I think he's doing okay. Lions just had a bad year, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I, I think I have faith in him. But you need to at least start thinking about the future, so I think they draft a quarterback. I don't know if they use their first pick on it, mm-hmm. but at least their second pick, you know, because you got to start. He's in his early 30s. Not, I mean, I'm in my early 30s, but it doesn't mean, like, I'm on the decline. <laughs> I don't want to say that, but you know what I mean? It's like you got to think quarterbacks, really good quarterbacks play until they hit about 40. Mm-hmm. So he's got a few years left. But are you going to want to really justify it with that contract that you just gave him at 38? Are you going to still want to keep paying him that amount of money? So you got to start. You got to at least consider the future this next time. Here's the thing: he hasn't accomplished as much as he's talented enough to have done. But I don't entirely pin that on him. No, I don't. And yeah. I don't want to say I don't want to make excuses for every quarterback saying they could be better with the right pieces around them because there are a lot of guys I feel that way about. And Stafford, you can certainly make the case. I feel that way a little bit. There's got to be some responsibility on him, and I'd say 20 25% of it is. Because he's, he's having an off year. He is having an off year. By his standards, this is a bad year for him. But I want to see Matthew Stafford without Jim Bob Cooter someday. I, I just think that would tell us I think more if you get rid of Stafford Jim Bob Cooter, he might be in a better spot. Here's a thought. Jim Caldwell, offensive coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about that the other day. What what if they went that route? They wouldn't, but you know what? What if some crazy world they considered doing that? Mm-hmm. But uh, they, I think they need a new offensive coordinator. They need to shake things up a, a bit. I, I guess that I think he could really blossom. I think he's shown signs, and he mm-hmm. has blossomed in some areas. But like, really, truly, reach his full potential. They just need to find something to help him get there. Um, it looks like he has the running back, mm-hmm. you know. The receivers, I still think they shouldn't have dumped Golden Tate. No. You know, it. Uh, you know, they needed that. He has no deep threat now. Mm-hmm. Marvin Jones is injured. Yep. So who's your guy? Who's your Calvin number one in. guy? Yeah, but even then, I mean, exactly. it's like you had a good receiving core. You dumped your number one guy. You had arguably one of the best receivers in history in Calvin Johnson, mm-hmm. and he left. He just quit because yep. he didn't want to be with the Lions anymore. <laughs> so and it just, you know, you got to figure it out. And I, I don't want to – I I just – I don't want. I don't like to give up on people, mm-hmm. so I think he's very capable and that he could really become the great quarterback that he has the potential to be. But with the Lions, you got to start thinking. You got to have. You got to have some backup in place, not mm-hmm. a backup that, you know, if he's hurt, you know, in the third quarter, can like mop up the game. You know, that kind of something a thing. like the Chiefs did with Mahomes. Yeah, you got to have something in there, and because uh, they had Alex Smith for a long time, he did well. Mm-hmm. He's moved on, so they had got Pat Mahomes to be that backup role to step in, and that's, I think, what the Lions need to do. And Jared Goff did something similar over yeah, with the Yeah, he, Rams he too. did, mm-hmm. and uh, that's, that's what you got to do. And uh, I think the Lions do that. They'll probably move more in the right direction. Well, I'm with you. I think that Stafford isn't as much of the problem as people want to make him out to be. I think they can win with Stafford, yeah. but not with Jim Bob Cooter. So nah, no, no. he needs to go. Stafford can stay. When you get consistency at the quarterback position, some teams long for that, and for some teams, that's their Achilles heel. You look at somebody like Cincinnati. They came in with the idea, they fell in love with the idea that Andy Dalton was going to turn them into a winning franchise, and it just hasn't panned out. But 
it's a different story when you get consistency at the quarterback position and the guy's good, effective. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird to see uh, the comparisons between the two teams up here in the UP, or at least the fan bases up here in the UP, with Green Bay, who's had all kinds of consistency at the quarterback position. Two guys, really, without Brett Hundley since 1992. <laughs> yeah. And the Lions have started to find consistency with Stafford. I looked this up today. We're going to go, you like the Brad Johnson reference, we're going to go back and look at the starting quarterbacks for the Lions in the last 20 years. And this list brought back so many memories. 1998, Charlie Batch started 12 games. The other two split, the other four, I should say, two each, split between Scott Mitchell and Frank Reich, who now coaches the Colts. Next year, Batch started 10 games. The rest were Gus Farratt. Remember him from his Vikings days? Yeah, I do. Gus Farratt. Charlie Batch again, 15 games. He started all but one. Stony Case had the other. And then their last year with Charlie Batch, he started nine. The other seven were split between Mike McMahon and Ty Detmer. Then from 2002 to 2005 was the Joey Harrington days, where he started all but nine games. McMahon and Jeff Garcia, people forget, he played with the Lions for a time started didn't john kitten have a stretch in there too? two years okay. oh, six and seven he came in and took over for harrington he started every game during that time he did so well that they started in for the first four games of the 0 and 16 season in 08 before uh missing the rest of the year with a back injury the rest of the site uh the season starts were split between dante Culpepper and dan orlovsky that's when matthew stafford came in he split starts with drew stanton who shows up again and Dante Culpepper then Sean Hill had a run in 2010 and it's been all Stafford since then so they're finally starting to find some consistency at the quarterback position I don't want to see that taken away from them I know that a change needs to be made but I think it needs to be made with Jim Bob Cooter who for one I can't believe that's a real person's name for another I still can't believe he hasn't been fired um I believe the same way. I, I used to have faith in Jim Bob Cooter, mm-hmm. but uh, now it's pretty clear that they need to move in a different direction. I think if they shake up the coaching staff, um, they did that last year with the head coach. We'll see if he can do it with the assistant coaches, and uh, maybe they can start moving in the right direction. I hey, Here's a fun thing. Here's another segue. Mm. Speaking of coaching changes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been going around lately, especially at the college ranks. Uh, Texas Tech has announced formally yesterday, or at least yesterday was reported today, it's been formally announced, Matt Wells is bringing his entire staff from Utah State to come replace Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. I first heard the name Matt Wells and I thought, who? And then why? I mean, what's Utah State done that's shown that they can play in the Big 12? He's bringing his entire uh, coordinator staff, what have you, with him to Texas Tech. I'm not sure I like this firing or this hiring anyway from Texas Tech. I don't I, see how he's an upgrade from Kingsbury. I, I don't see it as an upgrade, but I see what they're going with it. I mean, Utah State has been more of an up-and-coming program. Uh, they've made some bowl games. They've, I mean, they almost beat the Spartans this year. I'm sure that's a blow to Michigan State fans. But I mean, they're they've really he's kind of turned Utah State and from a team that nobody really was aware existed mm-hmm. to a team that's actually registers in people's minds and i think they're like maybe in, you know instead of going the find another texas tech guy maybe we go to a guy who you know built something mm-hmm. and see if he can take it up an extra level i i'm intrigued to see what he goes with it I don't think it's an upgrade necessarily, but I understand their mindset. Like, well, let's try something new. Because, you know, eventually a school reaches that point. They have, mm-hmm. like, a mindset for a long time. Okay, let's change it up and see, you know, if this helps us move in the right direction. So I think 
I think he can do well. Um, the interesting thing is, can he keep up in the pass-happy, offensive, let's-not-play-defense Big 12? <laughs> that, that, that's, that's the thing that hangs me up, is can he have a potent enough offense to put up 40 points, 50 points, You know, which is basically what you need to win the Big 12. How about another Big 12 team that did something similar a few years ago? How much do you think this move was affected by what Iowa State did picking up Matt Campbell from Toledo a few years ago. It's it's similar. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, sometimes you need to go to the MAC or the Mountain West or, you know, Conference USA. The Sun Belt. The Sun Belt, you know, just find these smaller conferences because there's, for a long time, and I've complained about this before, and it's in all sports, there are retread coaches who are not very good, no. who somehow have lingered in people's minds and who are terrible at their jobs but keep getting hired because people know who they are. Like Hugh Jackson. Yeah, Hugh Jackson there. I would throw out Greg Robinson, who is mm. one of my most despised coaches, because <laughs> he's so bad. And yet people kept hiring him, and then he'd be bad there, he'd get fired there, and somebody else would hire him. It just, I, I don't understand that. It's like you think at a certain point schools would be like, wow, this guy is really terrible at his job. Mm-hmm. Why, would we, why are we even looking at this guy? So I'm, I love it when the fact that schools look at coaches who are climbing the ranks and, look, you know, like let's – go outside the box a little bit instead of sticking with the same people and looking at the same people let's find you know let's look at different ones so i i, I like the hire i and i don't think it's necessarily an upgrade but i i'm interested to seeing what they're going to go with it uh but college is interesting i'm interested to see where coach Hansom is going to get hired now where cliff kingsbury goes from here the reports came out yesterday that he was going to be the new offensive coordinator at usc and then they put that on hold, saying that an offer's been made, but he hasn't agreed to terms yet, and he's still vetting offers for both college and pro teams. He's a head coach at the college level. He has been for the past few years. I don't know why he'd want to be a coordinator in somebody else's staff. I think he'd be a better head coach than Clay Elton would at USC. I think he's too good of a coach to be a coordinator at the college level. I think he could be a great NFL offensive coordinator, but to me, Kingsbury has got to be... Uh, he's, he's got to be a head coach. At the I, 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 if I was him, I'd only take at the college level. I would only take head coaches mm-hmm. gigs because he can show that he's a good offensive mind and he's been successful. Mm-hmm. Being an OC on someone, other guy's staff would be a real step, especially you, Clay Helton's. Yeah. A real step down. You know, if you're going to go coordinator, go the NFL road. Cause mm-hmm. he could probably be hired like <laughs> Lions. Lions. If they if they dump Jim Bob Cooter, oh, would you take Cliff Kingsbury? Yes, match him up with Stafford. You bet. Mm-hmm. Come on, Lions fans, <laughs> vent to us. Would you? Would you? If they dump Jim Bob, Let's put Cooter it on with, the pool. Yeah. Would you take Cliff Kingsbury? I think it'd be a great fit. You know, for a guy because. The lot, you know, Clingsbury loves to pass, and Stafford loves to pass. And if they can, you know, work on their receiving core, you know, that could be a great fit with him. And he's got a running back to work with. He didn't really have that at Texas Tech. If he has that, he can put that into the office offense. You know, because a lot of air raids, you know, you don't have a running back and you don't recruit one. You just focus on having good receivers and good tight ends and quarterbacks who can throw deep. Whereas if you have a good running back or at least an adequate one, you can throw them in there and change it up so defenses aren't just focusing on their secondary. They actually have to have a decent uh, linebacking core, a good, you know, and basically a good run block, th- 
a run rush thing, not necessarily a pass rush, but ones that can stop the run as well. Okay, just went on the poll. It's on Twitter right now. You can vote in the poll. Should the Lions move on from Jim Bob Cooter and name Cliff Kingsbury the new offensive coordinator, yes or no? We like the idea. Kingsbury's a good enough guy. He should be in the NFL. I think, honestly, I don't think he takes a college job. I think an NFL team grabs him. Um, but now the poll question is, should the Lions get him? And uh, I, I want to see what Lions fans think because – I, I can give my thoughts, but I did not grow up a Lions no. fan, so I want to see what Lion, hear what Lions fans have to say if they like it. Or who, if not Kingsbury, who would they like as their mm. new offensive coordinator? And that's just to say if Jim Cog Cooter loses his job, which he very well might not. No, so. no. They're kind of like the Cowboys in that sense. They'll hang on to him for a little bit longer. Yep, yeah, pretty much. And uh, that's just how things go with the Lions. But uh, another coaching thing that I told you about, mm-hmm. um, SI, uh, released a story. Um, it, I can't remember if it was yesterday or a couple of days ago, but in their recent, it, it, most recent issue, um, they talk about the growing animosity between Mike McCarthy and mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, and that it's now reached a point where Rodgers has kind of had it mm-hmm. with Mike McCarthy. And uh, I, from the vibe I've gotten from Packers fans, it seems like Packers fans have about had it with Mike McCarthy. Everyone's had it with him. Yeah, it's uh, it's... If the Packers don't make the playoffs this year, I'm thinking he's gone mm-hmm. because they've underachieved. You know, they should have done a lot more with, you know, with Rodgers by now. Um, uh, people familiar, I'm reading some samplings from the story. When people familiar with the two are asked to describe their relationship, most say it's defined by lots of tension. Until this year, it was a healthy tension um, because there's usually one between good quarterbacks and coaches, mm-hmm. and now it's been something different. McCarthy's the play caller, but because Rodgers is an intelligent and good improv, he's a good improvisational player. He can call plays at the line to scrimmage and be effective. He has the green light to change plays when he sees it, but he does it so often that it frustrates McCarthy because his play calls get completely disregarded. Um, he, they said McCarthy might call the same play three times in a game, and the play will never actually be used by Aaron Rodgers. And it just, you know, you got a guy who wants his plays to be called, a coach that wants that, and then you have a quarterback who doesn't think their his coach is good enough to make play calls during a game. So it's it's. And another point, even after the win against Buffalo, Rodgers criticized the offense and blamed the game plan for it. And then he said, okay, it's mostly my, he went back on it and says it's my fault rather than the coaching staff. But you know what he meant after it. Mm-hmm. And then they said during the, the Bengals game last season, during a sack in the four, third quarter, he went to the sideline and they said it didn't take an expert lip reader to decipher his message, which was, I'm not going to say it because we can't say this kind of stuff no. on the radio, but basically he was not pleased with the play calling that was happening for Mike McCarthy. So it's, um, it's, uh, Early in Rodgers' career, they said McCarthy would try to coach Rodgers and to have control his body language, and he was frustrated. But at this point, it's pretty clear from Rodgers' body language that he's not really controlling it anymore. No. He's kind of fed up. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's a good read. I don't know if you anybody looks at Sports Illustrated or, uh, you know, uh, subscribes to it, but if you're a Packers fan, you might want to see it because it shows that I wouldn't say they're a complete mess, but... The Packers have a choice to make. You have a quarterback who's going to be a Hall of Famer and is probably much tired of having his career wasted away. Mm-hmm. Or is, so, or do you keep a head coach who is paid quite a bit of money 
and you try to keep this fractured relationship going. And I just, I at the end of the year, barring a playoff appearance, I don't see Mike McCarthy keeping his job. Do you feel the same way as oh, me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think he should have been gone by now. Uh, probably should have been at some point, maybe, maybe at the end of last season. Uh, I can understand where they brought him back with the whole injury to Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Trying to play with Brett Hundley. But the last couple of years have been disasters. Even even before uh, Hundley had to take over at starting quarterback, things weren't great for the Packers. They still probably underachieved. But Rodgers and McCarthy's tension is starting to get to the point where it's like Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels. And McCarthy needs Rodgers a lot more than Rodgers needs McCarthy. So... <laughs> Somehow that relationship has got to end this year. It'd be in the best interest of both of them if they were not paired up anymore. Um, they're, they're just not going to win with the kind of fractured relationship they have. No, you've got to be able to have a workable relationship. I mean, there's been tensions between quarterbacks and coaches before, but they need to be able to work together. Rodgers has basically, especially the last few games, is kind of indicated with his body language he's kind of had it with Mike McCarthy mm -hmm. and Tom Brady makes his feelings on Josh McDaniel known pretty mm -hmm. much every week even during a win he's been known to uh pretty much scream at Josh McDaniels because he's fed up with him so it's like you gotta realize as a GM you know which I, I like to give Brian a benefit of the doubt. I mm -hmm. think he's actually a pretty capable GM. He's got to look at it as, okay, we just threw a bunch of money at Aaron Rodgers, and he's indicated that he wants a change. Mm -hmm. Is it time we wise up <laughs> and realize this? And I know they brought him back because of Brett Hundley last year, right. and they thought, well, maybe if Rodgers is healthy, you know, maybe they can get back to where they want to be. It's shown that they're not. So, yeah, they need to make a change. And I'm wondering, Packer, we just put the Lions, the Lions pull up, and they may, that, I mean, that's obviously the poll today. But I want to see if Packers fans think that Mike McCarthy needs to go. Because based on the responses I'm getting, when I write about him, people agree with me. <laughs> so it's uh, I, I, just as, as a social media thing, if, uh, what people think. So You don't even need a poll to be able to tell if Packers fans want him to go. You just look on Twitter during a Packers game, <laughs> and they make it pretty clear they want McCarthy out of there. Yeah, it's uh, but um, it, it's just... I, I never thought they would reach this point, mm -hmm. uh, especially after a Super Bowl win, mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, things aren't always going to be hunky-dory, you know, on a team roster. But just to go from winning a Super Bowl together to basically becoming where the relationship it's almost like a marriage mm -hmm. you know it's like hey we really like each other you know look how successful we are with our super bowl don't but then like yeah, but now it's like they bicker all the time they don't want to be with each other mm -hmm. so maybe the divorce <laughs> sign the <laughs> negate the marriage license. Yeah. On john deere riding mower yeah just you know cr rip up the marriage license and start a um I think it's a good metaphor, but I just, you know, just you need to start something new, and I, I think that's what they do. We owe you a timeout. Ryan Stieg of the Mining Journal in studio with us. We'll come back, and we'll break down more headlines coming up on the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only to Jibla Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. 
Tanner Hoops with you. Ryan Stieg of the Mining Journal as well. Here's what's been making news before we get into our next segment. Calvin College men's soccer is on to the Division Three National Championship. Calvin College down in Grand Rapids. Dixon Machado, former Tigers infielder, is on his way to Miami. Becomes a new member of the Marlins. And Northern Michigan football's Jake Mayon is an all-region selection in Region Three. First teamer, very well deserved. Yeah. He- Best running back in the GLIAC, mm-hmm. you know, he's, you could make the case he's the best offensive player in the GLIAC. Just, you know, he's a good guy, good interview, and uh, I just, I, I'm glad he found the success. He was one of the few bright spots the last couple of years, last, I would say, three years yeah. <laughs> for Northern, so that's a good thing for him. Well, Northern's basketball teams opened up GLIAC play last night. The women with a win. The men suffer their first loss down at Northwood. Both teams are 5-1. and one. Still a lot to like about the men's squad, and good to see the women starting another winning streak. Yeah, the uh, you know the women won their game you know, over Thanksgiving weekend after losing to Comorty St. Paul. They beat NAIA full Jamestown straight out of North Dakota. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and uh, then you know, a pretty good win against Northwood. Northwood uh, is a very poor offensive team. And uh, what I'd like to see from the enemy women uh, is, you know, maybe put more points on the scoreboard. That's been kind of an issue the last couple of years, and Trey Matson's has actually said that in press conferences, that they need to score more. Now, obviously, the point of the game is to score more points than your opponent, mm-hmm. but 51 points, that's 55 points. That's not going to cut it when you face really good teams. Now, Northern's supposed to be good this year, but, like, let's say getting the GLIAC tournament and, you know, maybe beyond that, you're going to be facing teams that can put up 70, 80, 90 mm-hmm. points, like Ashland, <laughs> you know. So it's like they got to be able to put more points on the scoreboard if they're going to continue to be successful. So I think they're capable of that, but it kind of needs to happen. But a good win last night. The men's team, that was a surprise, um, not necessarily by the loss, but by the margin. Mm-hmm. Um, NMU just looked lost. I didn't actually watch it, but I was listening to it and keeping track of the stats. Uh Northwood primarily won because of balanced scoring. Uh, NMU, very in that game, really focused on Eccles and Johnson, uh, who both had good nights. You know, both have more than twenty points, but the sporting cast was not there. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it just wasn't. Nobody hit double digits other than that. Whereas Northwood starting five, all of them hit double digits, and uh, that kind of was the story. You got to be able to have a balanced scoring, and NMU did not have that last night. However, they play Saturday. I think they'll probably get a win there. So it just it was it was unfortunate that their first defeat happened that way. But you know it's, it's they're going to be fine. You know the base is what I'm saying. Well, let's jump back to football quickly. Twitter poll went on earlier. Uh, should the Lions fire Jim Bob Cooter, hire Cliff Kingsbury as offensive coordinator? We both think so. Early voting, the fans don't agree. 73% oh. says no. That kind of surprises me a little That was bit. a little bit surprising. I don't know if it's they want to stick with Jim Bob Cooter or they just don't want Kingsbury or what have you, but can't imagine there's too many Lions fans that are out there defending Jim Bob Cooter. I would right say now. it's probably more of the uh, Dewan Kingsbury thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it, there's going to be a whole lot of Jim Bob Cooter defenders <laughs> out there. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I understand if people don't like it. I mean, I think it's good, but... You know, I understand the debate behind it because he's very pass focused. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some debate whether you can make the jump from the college ranks up the NFL. Can you, you know, can he utilize a good running back? You know, I can understand the debate behind mm-hmm. it. I think he's a good fit, but it, 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 there's actually a legit debate behind that. Whereas some of like a lot of poll questions, pretty obvious mm-hmm. what the answer should be. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm glad I heard the response there because sometimes. You don't really get to hear from fans. I mean, sometimes during the course of the game, you'll hear stuff. But sometimes you wonder if that's just 
you know, emotion that mm-hmm. they're frustrated with, if they, whereas if the game is not going on, if they actually really think they're winning. Well, we've got uh, plenty to look back on from the NFL. I wanted to do this. We were talking about old quarterbacks. Brad Johnson's name come up a little bit. Do you think he was the Joe Flacco of that decade? <laughs> is he elite? Is he not? He won a Super Bowl. He has that going for him. But then you look at the rest of his career. Yeah, you could, I guess, make the place for that. I never thought he was elite. Yeah. I wouldn't have put him in that class. But uh, I, a lot of people don't think Flacco is. Yeah, I, I don't think he was elite either. So, but you know, Brad won a title based on his defense. Mm-hmm. Joe Flacco won a title primarily based on his defense. I mean, yeah, Jacoby Jones returned a kickoff, and that mm-hmm. was cool. But you know. Their defense basically is what kind of was the story for them, and uh, that's been the Ravens' tale for years. So it, yeah, Brad, Brad Johnson, man, his Vikings days. You know, I'm trying to think who else would come close. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's a tough one. Brad Johnson is the Flacco of that decade. That's that's uh, the, the conclusion uh, we're you, you want the early aughts? Is that what you were going with, or the late '90s? We're going with the early 2000s. Okay, okay. He was. Not too bad in the 90s. He yeah. started going downhill toward the 2000s. Kind of fell into the quarterbacking job in right. Tampa. <laughs> That's basically what it was uh, when Sean King left. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I think you could definitely make the case for that. Uh, a decent quarterback who was not elite but probably got into the conversation more than he deserved. I would say so, yeah. Well, how about this? I looked back uh, this week. 15 years ago, we were talking about old quarterbacks. I wanted to reminisce and see how much the NFL has changed. We were talking about coaches and their quarterbacks as well. And I wanted to see which of these guys can be long-tenured. Some quarterback-coach comparisons. So I look back at week 13 of the NFL season in 2003, 15 years ago. This just blew my mind, compiling this list to see what some of these matchups were and to think how much the NFL has changed. I'll read them to you quickly. Detroit and Green Bay played each other on this week 15 years ago. Lions won 22-14. Steve Mariucci and Joey Harrington teamed up to beat Mike Sherman and Brett Favre. Uh, Miami beat the Cowboys 40-21. Dave Wanstead, remember him? With Jay Fiedler, who was that Offensive Player of the Week for that week. And former Viking, Jay former Viking. Yes. <laughs> Bill Parcells and his quarterback Quincy Carter were on the losing end of it. Uh, New England beat Indianapolis 38-34. This was actually a great quarterback and coach matchup. Belichick and Brady, they're still around with Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning. Cincinnati beat Pittsburgh 24-20. Marvin Lewis still there. And him and his quarterback, John Kitna, beat Bill Cowher. You wonder how? It's because Tommy Maddox was the starting quarterback for Pittsburgh. Hey, Tommy Maddox had that one year for Pittsburgh. Yeah, that one year. year. (laughs) One year. After his XFL performance, he came in, had that one good year, and then he left. One year. Yeah. And 2003 was not it. Yeah, no. Baltimore, 44-6 winners over San Fran 15 years ago this weekend. Brian Billick was the head coach of Baltimore. Him and Anthony Wright beat Dennis Erickson and Jeff Garcia. Who? Exactly. (laughs) St. Louis, they were still the St. Louis Rams, 48-17 winners over the Vikings. Mike Martz and Mark Bulger teamed up to beat Mike Tice and Dante Culpepper. Remember the Mike Tice days? Ah, uh, the Mike try Tice not to days. Yeah, those, I try yeah. not to remember those. I remember the Mark Bulger days yes. from Kurt Warner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was, you know, Bulger was not actually that bad of a quarterback. No. He was actually pretty adequate. But he was no Kurt Warner. No, he was not. Uh, no Hall of Fame for Mark Bulger, but part of me thinks it's because of Mike Martz. But uh, I think, who, by the way, is now coaching in the that new yes, United. Yes, the Diego Fleet. They united of something. I think like, it's American Alliance of Football. Okay, like that. yeah. So, AAF. Yeah, 
Dennis Erickson coaching in that too, mm-hmm. and uh, Brad Shoulders coaching in that. <laughs> Remember I mean, Chili? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think Deadspin was talking about. It. It was, they did a segment called "Remember Some Coaches" mm-hmm. and how all these retread coaches are now coaching that league. There's a fun segment. I wish I would have prepared for that. Oh, but, I know. Oh, yeah. we can do that next week. Yeah, That'll be great. Yeah, but a uh, lot of coaches that you remember. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's weird how some teams have stuck with a quarterback and gotten lucky for so long that the Colts and the Patriots mm-hmm. were. And some of them have quarterbacks that you barely remember. I don't even exactly. remember Anthony Wright. No. And I try to keep up on a lot of rosters over the years. I don't even remember that. How about these guys? Buffalo 24-7 winners over the Giants. Greg Williams was head coach of the Bills at the time. He's still around in turning interim head coach right now with Baker Mayfield. Him and Drew Bledsoe beat Jim Fassel and Kerry Collins. Do you remember Jim Fassel? As I do. Coach of the Giants, do yeah, you? I remember that. Took him to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and got thrashed by Baltimore. <laughs> Philadelphia 25-16 over Carolina. Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb beat John Fox, who was around until last year, and Jake DeLome. Jake the Raging Cajun. Yes. Jake DeLome. You had uh, Chicago, 28-3 winners over Arizona. Dick Geron and Cordell Stewart against Dave McGinnis and Jeff Blake. Wow, there's two quarterbacks. Uh, Cordell Stewart, you know, after he left Pittsburgh, fell off the map. Yep. And uh, Jeff Blake, longtime Bengals QB. Mm-hmm. Wow. New Orleans, 24-20 over Washington. Jim Hazlitt and Aaron Brooks beat the old ball coach, Steve Spurrier, and Tim Hasselbeck. Denver. Yeah, ESPN analyst. Yes. Denver 22-8 over Oakland. Mike Shanahan and Jake Plummer beat Bill Callahan and Rick Mirror. Uh, Seattle 34-7 over Cleveland. Uh, Mike Holmgren and Matt Hasselback over Butch Davis and Kelly Holcomb. Uh, Kansas City 28-24 over San Diego. Dick Vermeil and Doug Flutie beat Marty Schottenheimer and Trent Green. Jacksonville 17-10 two over actually Tampa. Two, two decent quarterbacks. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Doug Flutie and Trent Green both had pretty good careers. Uh, Jacksonville over Tampa Bay. A couple of Florida teams. Jack Del Rio beat John Gruden. Byron Leftwich and Brad Johnson matched up in the quarterback matchup. And then the Monday night game that week. The Jets 24-17 over Tennessee. Herm Edwards and Jad Pennington beat Jeff Fisher and Steve McNair. Steve McNair, probably one of the more, probably one of the better quarterbacks in the league. That's kind of been forgotten. Yeah, it, like he really could have had a really good career. Really could. Have. I, I I really like Steve McNair. But getting back for a second to Tim Hassel, <laughs> I I honestly when they when ESPN would say like former NFL quarterback, I forgot he actually played in the NFL. <laughs> I remember Matt because yep. Matt had a good career. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tim, I I completely forgot he actually started games. I thought he was like a backup. But there you go. Wow, memories. Oh man, that was. Week 13 in 2003, 15 years ago from this week. We owe you our last time out. We'll take it now. We'll come back and finish this thing off on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only at Ojibwe Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops joined by Ryan Stieg of the Mining Journal, also beat writer for the Northern Michigan men's hockey team. Tell you what, you're busy enough. Good thing they have a, a bit of a bye weekend to gear up for Michigan Tech. Yeah, very much so. Not only for them to make, prepare for it, but for I can prepare for it. Too. I'm trying to keep up on it. I'm doing the best job that I can, but... Uh... 
unfortunately, I've been able to come to games thanks to the situation we have at the office. But I'm hoping to, maybe next week will be the one I do. Well, hey, uh, Sunday's going to be a busy day. We've got the college football playoff selection show. It's weird that they're having that on a Sunday and competing with the NFL. I know they want to get the matchups out there as quickly as possible. I just they, There's a lot of stuff going on on Sunday. There's that. There's the NFL games, obviously, people are going to be paying attention to. And then there's that old thing Richard Branson is doing. Did you hear about that, where he's trying to journey to the center of the earth and they're televising it on Sunday? Really? Richard Branson's trying to get to the center of the earth, him and the grandson of a French marine biologist or something are heading down to some trench trying to see if they can get to the center of the earth or something. I mean, he's got so much money. Why take so many risks? Why, I, If that were me, I would stay alive and try to enjoy that wealth as much as possible. But he's looking to push the envelope. Okay, yeah, I. well, I guess if you have a lot of money, yeah. you know, why not do some crazy experiments? Uh, I... <laughs> I'm going to watch it if I can. Yeah, I might. Uh, you know, I, uh, getting back to the playoff thing, I... You know, they tried to compete with the NFL. You remember when they would play their college football playoff when the NFL playoffs were going mm-hmm. on? So, which it didn't. I mean, the ratings were good, but I mean, they weren't it's as good as they could be. Yeah. So it's like, I I know they want to get it out there, like you said, as quickly as possible, but it just it's it's going to be overshadowed by the NFL because that's what everybody's focus is on. So I don't know, poor decision, but we shouldn't expect too many surprises. Notre Dame is in. Alabama will be in whether they win or lose. Clemson, they'll get in if they win. I'm just not totally sure that they're going to win. Pitt, if any team can be a spoiler, it's Northwestern and then it's Pitt because they, they've given some teams problems this year. And I, I wouldn't totally be surprised. I'd be a little surprised. But if anyone's going to make an upset this weekend other than Northwestern, I could, say, I could see it being Pitt. Yeah, I could... I could see. I'm it not betting on it, but I, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if it happens. No, I, I, I wouldn't be either. I, I mean, Pitt's a decent football team. I'll give them that. I, and but, upsets happen mm-hmm. all the time. There's been teams who look like they're going to make the college football playoff, and well, not the college football, but like the BCS title game back in the day, and suddenly, they hit a wall when they get to the conference championship game. I mean. Oklahoma lucked out, you know, because the polls, the pollsters were stupid. Mm-hmm. But they got thrashed by Kansas State that one year. I mean, it looked like West Virginia had their chance to make in the championship game, and they lost a pit mm-hmm. in the backyard brawl. There's yes. a fun name. But by Dave Wanstatt <laughs> and the Pitt Panthers. I, so I, I could see it happening. Uh, you know, but that's what makes it fun. You, you know, just when you think your dream season's going to come to a great conclusion and it ends up being a flop. Uh, will Northwestern beat Ohio State? That's the most likely upset, I think, if anyone had to happen. That's the one I would pick. I'm not going to bet on Northwestern to do it, but they would be the least surprising upset if one happens this I'm, weekend. I, I think so, too. They uh, Northwestern's a good team. They are. They pull upsets all the time. They're... And they're not bad. No. I mean, you, they won the they won the Big Ten West. They're mm-hmm. good. They're you, you have to be at least somewhat good to do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think I think Ohio State's going to pull away eventually. But I I wouldn't be surprised at all. Would Georgia beat Alabama? They have a chance to. But even if they don't, as long as they play well, give me a two loss Georgia team over a one loss Oklahoma or Ohio State. You I think, think Georgia's better than both of them. Okay. I don't think that they'll get in if they lose, but I think they should be. 
Yeah, I think you can make the case for that. I think that if they do lose, I think Ohio State will be the team that gets in as long as they beat Northwestern. <laughs> if they lose to Northwestern, Oklahoma's got it locked up. I mean, you can make the debate between Ohio State and Oklahoma. I just like Ohio State because they know how to play defense, mm-hmm. whereas Oklahoma really doesn't. So I think that might be, give them the edge. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, it, it's weird that the Big Ten Championship is played later than the SEC championship, mm-hmm. when that seems to be the one that people are focusing on more. You think, like, CBS would throw that into the primetime slot, mm-hmm. unless Fox is, like, a contract with it, which they might. Um, yeah, uh, Fox, by the way, uh, owns the Big Ten Network. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, a lot of people don't know that, but uh, if you're wondering why the Big Ten championship is televised by Fox, because Fox owns the Big Ten Network, so hence where the contract comes into there. So um, it's, yeah, I'm... I'm interested in the weekend. I'll be keeping track of the games. It's just it's it's kind of not the same. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't as it's the weekend's not as fun. I mean, the Saturday's not as fun as it was last week. Not only with Michigan, no Ohio State, which didn't end the way a lot of people no. wanted to up here. But you know, it, there was hype. You know, the last week, a lot of rivalry games are the last week of the year. And uh, whereas this week, it's like unless your team is in these championship games, you really don't care. You know, unless you're an Alabama Georgia fan, are you really going to be focused on that game? Unless you're Ohio State or a Northwestern fan, mm-hmm. are you really going to watch the really, diligently? You probably will watch it, but are you going to be like, wow, I really hope this ends up the way I wanted to? Maybe there's Michigan fans who are going to be cheering wildly for Northwestern, but I don't know. I. I'm going to be more going in with, like, the casual fan thing that I don't have. I mean, I'd love it if Alabama lost. That'd be, you know, that would kind of make my night. But, I mean, I'm not riding on it. Mm -hmm. I don't need... I don't need to feel good at the end of the night. I I mean, it goes either way. I mean, I'm just okay with it, but... We got to... We're out of time, but I I just want to throw this out there, even though it will never happen. Why not do what MLB playoffs do, and we have the four and five seeds play in, play each other to play in, like, basically, Ohio State... And Oklahoma play each other like an American League wild card game or something. There's an idea. How much fun would that be? That'd be wacky. I think it's going to be 18 playoff, but I can understand, (laughs) you know, that mindset. That'll be be the next thing. Yeah, there we go. Ryan Stieg of the Mining Journal. I'm Tanner Hoops signing off. In case you missed it earlier, here's our Friday basketball tip off show as we gear up for high school basketball in the UP this evening. We'll see you tonight for Westwood Patriot Basketball on ESPN UP and ESPN UP app.